0: This podcast was recorded at the Richmond Library on unseed and stolen Aboriginal land, the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. to In Those Days, a podcast where we talk about yesterday's news today. My name's Penny Tangy and my co-host is Christina Adams. This is the first episode in a series which is based on the suburb of Richmond in Victoria. And these episodes were recorded as part of the Makerspace Residency Program, which is run by Yarra Council. So thanks very much to... Yarra and the staff of Richmond Library for their support in using the recording facilities here and also the local history collections in Richmond Library. So for the next five episodes, we're going to be talking about the suburb of Richmond in the olden days. We're going to be talking about maternal child health services, picture theatres, brass bands and, of course, because it's my absolute favourite thing, libraries. We're going to have a lot of few different guests, some of whom are friends of mine and some of whom were complete strangers. Some of them were experts on the topics we're talking to them about and some of them were just experts on their own lives. So, as usual, for each episode, I've done some research and found some old newspaper articles in Trove. Which is the National Library of Australia's online digital repository? And that's a sort of a jumping off point for our guests to share what they know about Richmond communities past or present. are very lucky today to have a very special guest who is a proper historian person. She's the Associate Professor in the School of Information and Communication Studies at Charles Sturt University. I read her research papers when I was studying information management at RMIT and I cited her quite a few times. Um, It's Mary Carroll. Hello, Mary. Hi. And the reason why we've got Mary in today is because she is an expert on the history of librarianship. We are going to be talking about um, Richmond's libraries today with her and reading some articles from Trove. So, Mary, do you use Trove much for work?
1: Or I for, do. Or for fun? I do it for both. <laughs> so it's a rabbit hole that you can go down... down. But I do use it with caution because I know that it only is like the tip of the information iceberg so I have used it for many many years and it gets better and better all the time but nonetheless I also try and use other things as well.
0: I often hear things like someone will mention something and I'll go I'll just look that up in Trove (laughs) and then that can almost be
1: a starting point sometimes. It is a starting point and Mm. it's and like any good information management person learns you use other strategies to to follow the, the information path that you're doing you're using so Trove might bring newspapers are obviously the yeah, one of the most, most uh, popular. Mm. But, you know, there's all swathes of newspapers that haven't been digitised. That's very true, yeah. So we have to be, this is putting my professional um, hat on, we have to be fairly cautious in terms of Working out who has decided what gets digitised, who's provided the money to digitise what, and then what's missing. And so to be cautious about that. And sometimes the, the fun is in finding what's missing, not what That's what's. That's actually
0: there. such a good point. Maybe the next podcast we'll do, not in trove days.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not. The things that haven't been digitised uh, and why. Yeah. But even what goes in the newspaper at, to begin with is yeah. also like the question of what gets left out as well, yeah.
1: which There's is layers, why... It, isn't there? There's layers of, yeah. of caution and privilege, really. I, I remember going to the State Library a long time ago now, and them pointing to these files in the corner, big vertical files, you know, filing cabinets. And what they were full of is the um, Sun newspaper archives and not a single one of them had been indexed or oh, digitised wow. oh. at that point. Now, I'm, I think they're working on yeah, that Yeah, they've now. got a campaign to mm. yeah, do yeah. some pictorial, so, which I'm excited about. Yeah, so think about that, that whole archive missing. Oh. So, so there are gaps Definitely. And the, we're going to
0: be talking about public libraries today. When you were growing up, did you go to your local
1: public library? Well, I lived for a long time in Port Melbourne till I was 10. I don't remember going to the, a public library there, but we moved to St Albans, which is ra- right out West, uh, past Keelor, and it was really underdeveloped. Mm. Unmade roads, those sorts of things, lots and lots of um, migrant families. And the closest library was in Nidgeri and there's no public tra- there was no public transport yeah. so my dad very conscientiously used to drive me to the nidri library once a week oh. when he could so that was like heaven for me but i also that was in the 70s that's to tell you how old <laughs> yeah. i am the other thing though was that when i went to secondary school that was the time when Um, the Whitlam government had just started to fund school libraries. Mm. And so we actually had a proper school library with a person in charge at that point. So I I was pretty privileged that I had a family that took me to the library, which was a long way. It wasn't easy. And I read voraciously. But the other side of that is that because I didn't have easy access for a long time to a library, a free lending library, I read things that maybe kids wouldn't read. Like <laughs> So I, my favourite book as a 10-year-old was uh, Wilkie's The Woman in White. Oh, I'm, yes. Christine, have yes. you studied that book? I did study <laughs> yes. that book and
2: I was a big fan, but I was also in my early Yeah, <laughs> well,
1: so I you know, I can remember mum had a set, because were, we were a reading family, So, a uh, mum particularly, so we had a collection of you know those classics that are in red fake leather with gold, oh, yes, tiny, yep. and I read through those. But that's why dad by dad to take me to the library so because i read
2: smashing through all of the books at
1: at, (laughs) probably at nine or ten so but there was nothing else to read and i don't know how much i understood
0: No.
1: but i was learning to read and and
0: i think we still see that today don't we that there's some areas of the state in melbourne even that are underserved by libraries there just aren't as many whereas you know in richmond and the inner city don't yeah, have I to think go back. It's far. getting
1: better. I mean, yeah. if you have a look at where some of the really big award winning public libraries yeah. like Melton, the councils are making an effort in terms of the building, the architecture. I'd be interested, I've never studied this, so I don't know much about <laughs> it, but I'd be interested to see if the commitment to qualified staff and collections is as high as its commitment to groundbreaking architecture. Not, not just complaining. complaining about the architecture, uh, but you know, is it balanced? Because you know, there are a lot of stories internationally about groundbreaking library buildings mm. that then are insufficiently funded to run properly. Um, yeah, the, the I mean the
0: library is really the collection and the librarian's
1: It's about the services, yeah. It's not. Um, I mean, the building, I mean, there's a lot of work. uh, One of my areas of interest is in how the architecture of libraries manages people. Mm -hmm. So that idea that you structure your library so that, you know, people act in certain ways, behave in certain ways, it also reflects the priorities of the the culture or the society Mm -hmm. at the time. So if you've got big children's collections or you've got... Big uh, migrant collections or whatever it sort of tells you what we're worrying about or what yeah. might be I think that's important.
0: Absolutely. That's so interesting. Mm. Um, Christina did you go to the library when you were growing up? I
2: did. I did go to the library quite a lot. Mm. I remember yeah I know mum used to have a lot of trouble dragging me away because I would take a selection of books sit on the sunken <laughs> stairs and they're also wooden beads not like an abacus but sort of twisted pathways that you could play with the beads. So I I was multitasking and doing that Mm. whilst doing my reading.
0: Yeah, yes. and I was always yeah.
2: frustrated by the limit that mum would put on the number of books I was
0: taking. Oh, by. really? So that was coming home from your mother, yeah, who probably yeah. did not want to have
1: to find all the bloody no, books. No, <laughs> I, I, think the... It, I think
2: it was five for quite yeah. a while. Well,
1: I think the cool. libraries usually had a limit, and that's because yeah. we didn't have computers. Yeah. So, oh, and yeah. also the collections weren't very big. Yeah. So I was only 11, allowed to have three, but that was a, a yes. library rule. And that's interesting what you say about the art. Uh, that's actually the architecture, yes. uh, you know, working on your how you. you oh, would, and then I felt the, very grown up
2: up when I progressed to sitting on a desk up at the top part of the library so once I hit secondary school I felt that that was the place to <laughs> for you to I had a very serious project <laughs> to do might not actually get much done but the fact that I was sitting there indicating you're I above everyone
0: else yeah. 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 yeah yeah and so do you still use public libraries
1: um not as much as I did as a child because mm, yeah. I have access to books and I tend to read fiction on a iPad Yep. Yes. Okay, um, yeah. So I still borrow books, but mm. I don't... Well, you are using the library, I guess. Yes, yeah, yeah. sometimes. Sometimes I, I uh, buy them, but but that's more... I I do go to the library, the local North Melbourne library, which is gorgeous, an old oh, Canucks like Institute. One. But I struggle now because I read so much on an iPad. I don't know about anybody else. I struggle turning the pages in a book.
2: Oh. <laughs> so I haven't gone down the iPad path. Yeah. I did download a few books uh, or not download them I access them on my phone and then I found that quite a weird experience yep. and that was because I didn't want to wait to get a copy of yep. whatever it was I was reading.
1: I think mine was more because I travelled so yes. much and so carrying books around is not yep. and then yep. I got out of the habit but I use it use it for other things other mm. than reading so for location for meeting people for yeah. and online I probably use the public library much more online than I do face to face which is weird really the other thing is because i know so many people in the library world it's a, it's a bit daunting to walk into whatever library you walk oh, into oh cuz you get recognised and or you know have someone say oh Oh, that's that sounds a bit weird, but because yeah. most people kind of almost go to the library for privacy or to get yes. away so
0: from people that they know at home or whatever,
1: yes, and so you're I, going in there and it's like, oh. Shit. And then I, yeah. I think I would think, oh, will they judge me if I borrow this book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just gotta read something trashy. Yeah. <laughs> where's, where's the license, dragon? Where's spare? Where's really spare? Yeah. Spare. So <laughs> I'm actually just thinking. Well, while I'm talking, I'm just thinking that actually is probably the ma- one of the major <laughs> reasons, which is a ridiculous reason, <laughs> but it just has. happened. Happen so often, um, yeah. That, well, it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. what's happening. Yeah, yeah. So, but that. I mean, I don't suppose many people would have that problem. So, yeah. you know, yeah, that's great. Well, we're in a library now. Yep, beautiful. we're in, in the a secret um
0: part. Of the a library. secret part of the library. We're <laughs> yeah. in the um. The Richmond. Paparazzi are out. <laughs> we snuck promise. her in the back <laughs> entrance. We've got a car waiting for yeah. when she leaves. Uh, but yeah, we're in the Richmond Library. We're in their makerspace. Um, so we're going to talk about the history of the Richmond Library yep. and the first public library, which was at the Town Hall and on Bridge Road. So in the 1870s, Mm. they built the new Town Hall and there was a special room there for the library. I think before that, in the makeshift Town Hall, there had been another
1: library, Mm. a sort of temporary... Mm, And I think there was actually one before that. Oh, my God, there was one in the Mechanics Institute. Uh, But By the time the public library was built, um, that was moribund. It was really not functioning, so... So the first article that we're going
0: to read is a bit facts and Mm figure-y, okay? We're getting into some (laughs) stats. It's from The Age on the 20th of May, 1874, News of the Day. On Thursday last, the first annual report of the Richmond Public Library Committee was presented to the Richmond Town Council. It stated that the attendance of readers for the year had been twenty six thousand seven hundred and thirty six comprising 21,945 males and 4,791 females. So
1: there we have it. Women right. just don't like reading. No. Except you'll probably find that the person in charge was a woman.
0: Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. yeah
1: so <laughs> and that was that was something that really interested me because I, I, I as I said I I had a little bit of a, a rummage around librarian was female. Um, and that, that, I mean, there's all sorts of stories attached to that, so mm. you know they were paid half as much as mm. um, oh. uh, you know that sort of stuff but and, and I think um women just wouldn't have also
0: had as much time to go into the library of an evening and read, I imagine a lot of women were doing housework <laughs> in the
1: evenings because that's yeah. when it was open, I yeah. think. yeah, and I think it wasn't a lending library was it wasn't it? No. no it was a it was uh, it was a bit later that it became a lending library. lucky I did my homework. <laughs> um, <laughs> So one of the interesting things I think is that in Australia... It's much more. If you look at, there are lists of who goes into the libraries, particularly what is now the State Library of Victoria. If you have a look at those lists of what the occupations mm. of the people are, it's much more egalitarian yes. than you would imagine. I don't know if the list lists occupations of the women, but it no. could be that they were people who couldn't afford to buy the books. Yeah, so you might. That's a good point. Teachers, young teachers. Mm. So
0: literate, probably, mm. but not well to do. Um, they had an average of 91 readers a day. It's pretty healthy, you know. Did yeah. did try to do a bit of a comparison to Yarra Libraries today, which is difficult because Yarra Libraries is now five different branches mm. and obviously the population's a lot bigger. But they were basically, in 1873, they were getting about one visit per Richmond resident. I mean, and now I think... It's it's kind of more like 5.5 visits. But people have a lot more leisure time now. I'd
1: and literacy interested. levels, obviously, yeah. are a lot higher. Mm. Um, I'm not sure that they are. I think Australia had quite high literacy levels. Oh, okay. One of the interesting thing I was doing is having a look at the libraries at Port Arthur Prison yeah. and... People said, "Well, you know, could they read?" And what they found was that the people, the convicts coming mm. to Australia at that point, were much more literate than, than the convicts they left behind. Oh, okay. Um, oh. Um, so w- why I don't know. I've never gone down that path too much. But <laughs> did a testing um, program. But I think <laughs> literacy levels were reasonable. I don't. Okay. We, yeah. um, uh, when did free and free compulsory education come in? And then, 1890s, I think, possibly? so, around then. Yeah. yeah so Christina
0: right? is an assistant principal, by the way. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so well yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Because <laughs> <and then. laughs> I'm so boring, I did go to the centenary of that, just uh, like at the Royal um, Historical Society. They had a, they celebrated every year, but I can't. I'm not good at dates. I obviously haven't celebrated. <laughs> no. Uh, what is it, free, compulsory and secular? I think so, yeah, yeah. but that might have been a bit later. So kids might have left school early, but they... Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm making, yeah, I'm, no, I am suspect I think it's, they were. I think it was... It,
0: yeah, yeah, I think I have heard that in the past. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I should have probably looked it up, but anyway. Yeah. Let's oh. just go on vibes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 <That's laughs> I reckon that's...
2: fine. Educated guests. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And one of the other things, the big things that happened with the lockdowns and COVID, obviously mm. during lockdowns, very low visitation. Mm. And then afterwards it has started to come up, but I think I was reading the Public Libraries Victoria report. Loans of physical items and visits to the libraries are still overall down. I don't know. Is that a problem or is it, are people just using libraries in a
1: different way? I don't know. I think we'd have to have a look at demographics myself mm. to see who's not coming anymore. Just going by my own family, getting anyone over the age of 20 or actually any over the age of 15 to read a physical book is almost... Mm. Actually, to read a physical book at all is getting increasingly difficult. So if it's that's the demographic that's not using the library, then it's a struggle. Yeah, so age, are people aware or is there a a gap in who who understands what, you know, I'm still surprised mm. about how many people don't understand that the, the public library is free mm. to, in this day and age. And then even if
0: they understand that you can go in and borrow books, they understand about all the other things that you can That's get That's exactly free. right, yeah. Like the audio books um, and the e-books and the... Subscri- even um like subscriptions to ancestry and stuff like yeah. if you're researching your family history you don't have to buy your own subscription you can come to the library mm. and See,
2: I didn't know
0: that yeah <laughs> 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 we have to be honest should we be mm. honest about your uh, library current library use Christina look
2: I go in and out of the library at school multiple times a day because it's a thoroughfare for me. But apart from that, I'm not going to the I hope library. it's
1: got a qualified teacher librarian in there.
2: Look, I would say that's
1: not happening. <laughs> so, you know, this, this, is, yeah. uh, this is another thing. There's, that kids aren't being nurtured to read. No. And then we complain about literacy levels, yeah. the, the research just shows that an mm. engaged teacher librarian yeah. um, has an impact on literacy in the school. Yeah, but I would say also lifelong engagement mm. with whether it's reading or that sort of recreational access to libraries. Mm. So long as the teacher librarian or the person in the library isn't a failed teacher, mm.
0: it's a it, it's not. I mean, this it's is a, this is
1: an issue setup. that's like. Yeah. Across so many schools, isn't it? Like, it's a very- It's really problematic. Um, yep. I started life as a teacher librarian, so that's mm. why I'm a bit over it. But I also know that uh, Sue Reynolds and I did a study long time ago now, and I don't think it's changed, but only 12% of primary schools had a qualified person yep. in them. And the other thing that I think has increased, this, we're sort of off topic now about public libraries, but... Another thing that really worries me about the lack of resourcing of school libraries and engagement with them is that the places that are engaging and em- employing and and supporting them are also already privileged. Yeah. Mm. So what you're doing is creating a, a situation of compounding lack of privilege. I did my um placement at Brunswick Secondary College.
0: Ah. And I did
2: my teaching rounds there. Oh.
0: Going, it's a great school. The teacher, the librarian there, was also teaching and she had a Year 12 class and she had a home group and she was the librarian. And I have never seen any, like, she was just constantly running. I mean, you probably see teachers running around like mm. mad things all day. But for me, I was just, and she kept constantly saying, oh, and now I've got to go and run the lunchtime oh, um, yeah. such and such so program and then I'm doing this and job, then I'm doing this. And the then on Friday she's like, well, I've got to get, I run the footing tipping competition as well. So I've got to get everyone's tips in, and I was like, "This is yeah. too much." Too much.
1: And then you might go across the road to a very priv- one of the very privileged schools, and this is not a judgment. I think they're doing the right thing. Yeah, that's. But the they thing. might have seven staff in their school library, yeah. um, mm. you know, running. Book clubs and reading hours Mm. and
2: and curating special displays and working with
1: you know the the the, um, teachers on projects and Mm. you know delivering IT type training and and so that I don't know whether the public library has capacity to make up for that lack and also well the thing about the the thing about the public library
0: is you've got to go there. You've got to get take. Whereas every, every kid goes to school. So, you and know... And sort
1: of coming back to demographics, I guess. It would be interesting to see who is taking advantage of, of the public mm-hmm. library. Um, are they people who have come from places where they didn't have public libraries and they go, oh, my God, this place is yeah. fantastic? Is it people who are highly educated and um, bring their kids there... Is it people who've heard story times are really good for kids literacy, you know yeah. literacy, but never come back again once yeah. the kid gets to three or something? Yeah. it'd be real. You know that sort of demographic stuff is would be. I mean, there's not enough work done. Yeah, on, it's not on just a, the total number, is it? it doesn't no. necessarily
0: tell you much. Oh, I'll keep reading with the stats. There were fifteen hundred volumes in the library, selected from the best authors and comprising ancient, modern, and natural history, the arts and sciences, voyages and travels, biography, poetry, fiction, works of reference, together with a large chosen collection of books on various subjects treated popularly Did for you... youthful readers. And so, youthful readers. Yeah. Well, now the Yarra Libraries has about one hundred and fifty thousand physical items in the collection and about twenty-five thousand e-books. Which I think might surprise some people, that proportion. I think some people might think it would be more e-books than that. But certainly 10, 15 years ago, they were really predicting that collections. Mm. But hard copy books have remained quite popular.
1: I I think... There's there's a report in the United States, a Pew report. Now, I, this, once again, you'll have to check my sources because I'm <laughs> I'm sort of half making it up. But I think they found that in the United States, and we haven't got the equipment mm. here, the highest proportion of users of public libraries are those. It was sort of contra- contradicting what I was saying, but that's why the demographics are really will be would be interesting. Are those between 18 and say 35? Yeah because it's financial. They can't afford to Mm. buy the books. They Mm. can't afford to... If that's the same here, which we don't know, that's the problem. That's why research is so important. You know, it would be really interesting to see if that same demographic is using our libraries. Wandering through here today, I'd say no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but it's the wrong time of day now. I don't know where I was going with that with, At, in terms of the size of the collection. Yeah, with oh, e portion of e-books. e-books. Um, but e-books, you're an e-book reader. Yeah, I'm an e-book reader. But the collections that libraries have, that's why I was saying I don't always, are fairly limited even and because they're so costly mm. and because the publishers have put so many restrictions mm. around the licensing, yeah. um, you know, and, and stuff, so that... The range is not there. Yeah. And then they have found that younger people, for example, in terms of of textbooks prefer to read hard copy. Mm. So maybe people are preferring still to read hard copy but they're not borrowing the items and then the e-collections are inadequate to yeah. say the least. Or, or maybe people are curating when they use what. Yeah, well I mean that's I'm put, I'm very
0: hybrid. If I'm travelling mm. I'll get e-books. Yep. If I need it fast, like you were saying Christina, yep. I'll, yep. I'll
1: get the e-book and if I have time I'll go into the library mm. and borrow it. Yeah, so the important statistic would be have loans completely gone down? Yeah. Or is it that there's been a bigger shift to hybridity in terms of what what Mm. people are are Mm. using?
0: And just this next bit is very relevant to demographics. Mm -hmm. Um, One peculiar and interesting feature during the year had been the regular attendance of youths. (laughs) Their good behaviour, cleanling appearance and care with the books deserved great praise. To retain them and also to encourage the attendance of others, the committee, the report said, would endeavour to supply a further instalment of works of an attractive and instructive nature.
1: I want to know what attractive
0: Yes. <laughs> Which I always find really yeah, funny. Get it's that like, one off there. It's get those fuckos out of here. <laughs>
1: oh, so how do you choose an attractive book? this is an
0: attractive one. You know it when you see it. <laughs> so this library was focused on young readers. Was that typical at the time?
1: I have done a little bit of work on this recently because I was trying to find out something about the North Melbourne Library and women. I was doing a mm. paper on women employed in libraries in the 19th century and... In the United States and and the UK, there w- was very much a feel that it was good to employ a woman in the library. So there is a, a link here. <laughs> a woman in the library because she brought to the library those things that woman, women are good at. You can't mm. see my inverted yeah. <laughs> comments. But, um, and so that idea of nurturing the young, yeah. teaching them to read, mm. those sorts of things. So if you have a look at a lot of the literature around why these public libraries were established you'll find that in some instances say in Footscray or Paran the first library was for public library was for children
2: Mm, okay
1: that was their first priority and then over time you see that emphasis on children but it was it was sort of a two-edged sword I think because you've alluded to it it was about nurturing literacy but it was also about nurturing good citizens Mm. and Mm. you know cultured people or people who complied to the you know the the mainstream Mm. so it it, that educative function could potentially have trying to homogenize Mm. the, the population a bit more by Presenting them with good books,
0: yeah,
1: and um, that reflected a certain viewpoint of the world, and yeah, so there would have been some books left out, let's say. Yeah, (laughs) and probably lots uh, today. I don't, I don't know if either of you attended the talk at the state library recently with the woman from the ALA, American Library Association, and she was talking about what was happening there and the banning of books there. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, there's also soft censorship where you just don't buy the books. Well, that's Um, the most common thing, isn't it? Which happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine it was fairly, well, it was common in the public libraries in the 19th century, and it probably is relatively common today, even though we wouldn't acknowledge it. Mm. Well, you know, there has to be a decision. There's always like a a selection
0: criteria for acquisitions, and Mm. sometimes it's just because someone wants it, but not. Yeah. Always.
1: Yeah. There's, and then school libraries, the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I don't think... I think the emphasis on children, though... Mm. Are, so when we're talking about children, what, State Library Victoria, when it opened, was 14 and over with mm. clean hands. Clean hands. <laughs> I was um, going to say that, yeah. Um, so... And then I, I did read somewhere in my little bit of research that this library, it was 10... Mm, I think you're right. Yeah, and I think I saw which 10. Which okay. really, uh, you know, really mm. early. And then the other thing that I have completely coincidentally was looking at the public library in North Melbourne. They established really strong links in the early 20th century to the local schools who had no libraries. Okay. And so the the public library was lending books to the schools. Yeah, great. So, so I think the whole youth thing was pretty big yeah
0: and would you say that there were any groups who, because public libraries were in some ways egalitarian in their idea that oh anyone can come in you don't have to pay to come in blah blah but do you think there were any groups that were kind of excluded not welcome apart from the under
1: 14s or under <laughs> with, with dirty if you had dirty yeah. hands yeah dirty handed um, people I think that's a really important question that no one's ever answered right I would love someone to do some research I had an um, American um, academic ring me or email me a few years ago saying can you tell me is there any equivalent to what happened in the south with public libraries Mm -hmm. in Australia which is the Jim Crow Mm. um, laws and so his argument there's a fantastic book just been published about it really interesting you know sort of so, like the selection of books, the the, the passive segregation of populations mm. in the library, which happened there, and while the librarians didn't actively support it, they didn't stop it. So it yeah. was that sort of passive support. I don't think I have ever ever read anything about the history of the usage of public libraries by Indigenous Australians. Yeah, I have no, I have no idea about statistics about that. It could be that just I haven't gone down that rabbit yeah. hole, mm. um, but I would be interested in that.
0: I remember reading when the state library was opened, the opening event. I read a Trove article about this, with the speeches from. I think it was Redmond Barry who of was talking. <laughs> I think, it, or maybe it was laying the foundation stone. Anyway, anyway it's it's some big event
1: speech to the builders, and
0: he was like saying, "Oh, think about it. Only you know." 20 years before, this was an uncivilised wasteland, basically. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, even if Indigenous people were allowed to come in and read books, certainly their knowledge is yeah. absolutely exploded.
1: Well, if we think of books reading free public libraries as being part of the infrastructure that allows or supports egalitarianism, privilege, education and a civil society, mm. then knowing who's excluded, you know, even the fact that it was only 4,000 women mm. as opposed to the large number of men, and then once again getting back to the demographics, which, who, which women. And Barry's really interesting, Redmond Barry, because yeah. he was, despite all his oddities, <laughs> he, you know, and hanging Ned Kelly, etc. he... Was very much about anyone using the library. Yeah. So there was no. So he made. I was talking to Sue Reynolds again about this the other day. That um, he made a speech in which he said, "We don't have to call our light." In a, he was in the United States at a conference having a fight with Melville Dewey. <laughs> uh, um,
0: and so it was the most librarian thing that's <laughs> ever happened in the history of the um, universe.
1: And he was arguing. He had, had there was a little appendices at the end, which say, appendix, which said we don't need to call our library the Melbourne Free Public Library because it is free we don't it's re- like I said you saying that <laughs> it, it's redundant whereas in America you do mm. uh, oh. uh, so look, I mean up. there is a strong tradition there of open mm. access but we don't know I don't know much about who's excluded mm. I think that's something I mean we've made efforts haven't we we've got large collections of non-English language materials. Um, They did have quite a while ago a system where they would move the collections. I don't know if that still exists, the hard copy collections. Say the Vietnamese population moved from Footscray to Springvale, well, the libraries cooperated to move their collections. makes sense. Yeah, and where they're actually going to be used.
0: And the last little stat that I have is basically on how much money... They got they got £377.19 and shillings um, from the government for the year. Now, it's very difficult to compare money when you go back that far. The estimator I use said somewhere between £42,000 and 350000 yeah. in today's <laughs> money, which is yeah, quite a difference. Quite a bit. But um, nevertheless, it's definitely still less than they spend now. In 2022-23, it was £5.5 million. For Yarra's five branches, but as we say, more people are using the library collections are bigger.
1: There's other licensing things, yes, that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, so it's basic, almost meaningless to compare. Yeah. I,
0: would say. I don't think you can. No, I don't
1: think. Do you, you can. think public libraries get enough money now? They'll never have enough. I mean, I think if I have a, oh, I've always got a concern. I have a concern <laughs> that even if when the money goes up the libraries are being asked to do more of what was done by other community organisations. Yeah. And they're certainly not picking up the the funds that that organisation was getting. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, advice or giving out COVID things or yeah. whatever it happens to be, community health type things, yeah. um, ageing, community advice, business advice, you know, you name it. Um, they're being asked to do it, not in a combined, you know, combined sense. I, I just did a, a survey a little while ago with public libraries asking them what they thought was their responsibility. Yeah. There was a bit of a tension between. The parameters around what the public library could do mm. and what they were being asked to do, right. and then did that change with how long people had been a librarian for? Did you know? uh, age didn't have a lot had a little bit to do with it. We were looking for what level of education and their age. There wasn't a strong correlation. Okay, the two. I, I mean I, I guess because some people come into
0: librarianism
1: later than others, so yeah. Most do. Yeah. It's a profession. Yeah, they do, a, a, don't a, they? A, a that's like A change of um, occupation. Yeah. Largely. You, you don't, in, the, in my day, I used to go from school to librarianship, but that's a thing nearly gone. So I actually, you know, it sounds like a negative, but that those parameters, I think are perhaps really important in terms of defining the profession itself mm-hmm. and saying, well, these is, this is within my professional remit. Mm. It's not that I'm unwilling. I'm very w- willing to assist or promote... But, I mean, I suppose some of this comes up when we're talking about social work in libraries. Yes, absolutely. Um, though, yeah, so those parameters, asking ourselves, what does our profession mean? Where, what are the, the What is the, the boundaries of it when... And it sounds like siloing, but it's not. You know, we can do harm if we step into areas that we don't have expertise in, for example, like give medical advice, for yeah. example. So... I mean, I was listening to the Charles Sturt
0: podcast... Um, One of them was on Yarra Libraries and the the underserved Communities and they did, they were talking about, and and the way the social work program, social worker program in Yarra came about seemed to be sort of the reverse, which does sound good to me, where staff were feeling like they were being asked to deal with a whole lot of stuff that they weren't qualified
1: for. So then they... Got so, that those services ground up in, is completely they can, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that I, mm-hmm. seems positive. Yeah, so long as the, the professional boundaries are like, I, you know, having work, I was a, a special ed teacher for a yeah. very long time, so I had very clear ideas when my educational roles stopped mm. and the psychiatric nurses, for example, yeah. jobs started. Yeah, but I could have just blithely gone away, you know, around and given sort of all random well, unsolicited and li- unsolicited advice. Well, that must be an issue for teachers um, as well.
0: Look,
2: it is It is a huge issue. Um, You know, my particular portfolio is overseeing well-being and inclusion. Mm. um, I've been a very large school and under me are a whole lot of people within allied health professions. So I have GPs working for me, social workers, OTs, psychologists. I've got a paediatrician. And then bringing all of those people together and making it clear whose remit is what... And then also being fully aware that I'm not qualified in those areas, but I need to have a really strong grasp of where they sit. Yeah. It is really complicated. And you have to, there's a lot of teachers that sort of, feel that by giving their own advice based on their own life experience that they're really helping kids with mental health stuff and they're really not. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. People
1: don't always understand yeah. how different mm-hmm. someone else's experience is. So that, come, we... yeah, that comes to the point of the professionalism, understanding mm-hmm. what your profession is. Um, so it's not about not helping.
2: No, absolutely not.
1: Um, and not being being unwilling to engage and, no. and bring those people into the environment or whatever it happens mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. But it's about understanding your own limitations And not
2: holding on to something that sits well and truly outside of your area of expertise, because it's actually quite dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: so I probably Mm. agree with you, I do agree with Mm. you that when it's, you know, when there's a need, an identified need, and, and you know, I'm I'm completely supportive Mm. of it, it's... Just keeping an eye on what's imposed. Mm. I know know schools are the same. Because
0: I can totally imagine a situation where they'd be like, oh, your guys are going to do this now. You're going to have half a day's training and then you'll be fine. Mm.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, reinventing your role within professional boundaries. But... It, that's where the education of the person... Oh,
2: absolutely. ..their professional
1: mm. education becomes really important and that's where you stumble if the people that are there are not qualified. Yes. Mm. Exactly. I'm not saying okay. they're not enthusiastic, happy... Willing. Willing. willing well. Um, Good nature. You know, but where yep. do they yep. get those
0: yep. parameters? So. so this next article is from the Argus. It's the 2nd of July, 1879... It's also about the Richmond Public Library, but it's a very different perspective because it's written by a visitor coming in Mm -hmm. to the library and they're describing what the library is actually like. The Melbourne Public Library has a large family of children and so far as my observations and inquiries have extended, they are, for the most part, a credit to their parent on whom they are only to a limited extent dependent. Oh, dear. It's just we've really found that in this era, like why say something in ten words if you can use a hundred?
2: as flowery <laughs> as you need
0: to just, love it. That's what commas are for. Urgent it. prose—it's <laughs> always
1: beautiful. <laughs> yeah, they're both okay.
0: Generally speaking, the municipalities in which they have settled in life have provided them with a local habitation as well as with a name, and the same roof which covers a suburban or provincial parliament shelters also a collection of books which can be read or consulted by all comers. Uh, What that means is the library is in the town hall. (laughs) The Richmond Town Hall includes its free library, a room on the first floor about 40 foot long and 20 foot wide I, I don't want this. Yeah, I don't know how big dimensions. that is to be honest, and I didn't look it up. But let's better now. Yes, let's imagine a room. Don't
1: forget, these people didn't have television. No, no
0: that's so, true. That's
1: right. So, <laughs> <laughs> with a southerly aspect,
0: contains upwards of two thousand volumes of books in nearly every department of literature. It is lighted on the one side by four windows, and three of its walls are pretty well covered by bookcases. So it does sound quite nice. It's got. Big windows and
2: yeah, it's not dark
0: and dingy. No, four large tables afford accommodation to the frequenters of the institution, who vary in number according to the season of the year, the day of the week, the hour of the evening, the weather, and the existence or absence of counter attractions elsewhere.
2: Oh, they've covered it all. <laughs> I love it.
0: Have, has anything changed? <laughs> That's what I ask. <laughs> <That's
1: good. laughs>
0: Youthful visitors preponderate. So we've still got the youths. And I notice that books of a boyish adventure, of foreign travel and of explorations among savage tribes are in demand. Thus, much is evident from the tarnished bindings, broken backs and generally well-thumbed aspects Mm. of such works. Well, I mean, that is the thing. The books aren't going to stay pristine and that's a good thing, isn't it, basically, if a book's being being used. used, From these and other indications, I am inclined to think that an adventurous spirit is being developed in the rising generation of Victorians and that the restless and enterprising character of our forefathers, the Vikings of Scandinavia and of the Drakes, the Frobishers, and Hawkinsons of a much later period has not been lost by the migration of our race to a brighter country and a softer climate. So very much seeing themselves as one race at this point, which I guess you would expect. Mm. I notice also that the Reverend J.G. Wood's portly volumes on natural history show traces of considerable usage and I am very glad to see it, but as a general rule... Works of fiction and of light literature command the preference with the majority of the habitual frequenters of the library. Mental recreation and relaxation are more sought after than solid information and instruction. But then this is equally true of the great majority of middle class and well-to-do people who subscribe to Mullins. I think Mullins was a bookseller. So this, there is a bit of judgment here about kind of happy that people are coming and reading the books, but kind of also a bit tisky about you should be reading more improving books. Do you think there is, like, a tension between a public library's desire to get people in and give them what they want and their kind of
1: education (laughs) role? Well, I think that's... I mean, school libraries are exactly the same. So the two philosophies are, you know, we're happy if they read anything. We don't really care what it is Mm. um, so long as they're reading or we need to read stuff. And I think... I'll, I'll throw Mills and Boone into the conversation. Yeah. If you, if I said to you, we need to spend $10,000 on Mills and Boons because that's what people read, mm-hmm. I reckon maybe your faces would screw up <laughs> a wee bit. Actually, no. No, I've
0: got a story about this because I did. Your face did. Well, I was, I did. Look, I
2: sat in a judgmental actually, stage.
0: Well, no. <laughs> but I had a very educating mm. experience. I did year ten work experience at the Castlemaine Library. I think I was covering Mills and Boons or something, and I made a face. Mm. And he said to me, Penny, you have to remember, not everyone finds it as easy to read as you do. Mm. So these are the books that people want to read. We're a public library. We're meant to be providing books for everyone. So these books are just as valid and important. But had I not ever had that conversation, I think I would have screwed Uh, up my face. you know what?
2: I think think it's important to remember, no matter what your actual intellectual achievements or current capacity is... You can still enjoy something really trashy. Absolutely, oh, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. That's I love very a good true. Yeah, trash. So, yeah. Indicated uh, by my current yeah. watching on TV. <laughs> so, you
1: know, I'm sure I could, yeah. I could compete. But then, ten thousand dollars does sound like an awful lot, yeah. and that's yeah, probably yeah, what yeah, it yeah, would yeah. cost. A yeah. Bit. yeah. So, if you read the, because ve- this would be just the sort of thing you'd want to read. Mm. I read them. <laughs> uh, the ve- the very first actually, library straight Association of Australasia, their conference proceedings. There is a lot of time. Time spent debating fiction in the public library. Yeah. That tension has been real for a long time. Mm. I size I, where I was going is it probably hasn't gone away. Yeah. Um, that the worthiness of what we read and is important and... This is where, once again, I'm going to go back. Professional education comes in, thinking about, you know, being asked to think mm-hmm. about what judgments am I making about what I'm selecting mm-hmm. um, and who am I making the judgments about. But they were completely... people. There were uh, men at that conference delivering papers on the value of fiction in, in the library and it's OK to have that fiction, mm-hmm. but they were arguing the case for it. But at the same time, they were saying, you know, but it has to be... Um, um, you know, something that's intellectually challenging and then they'd list all the things. I, I, I you know, tell you some of the things they said yeah. that weren't and female authors, you know, the Gothic novels, they were yeah. very much frowned upon, which is what made me yeah. think of Mills and yeah. Boone. So, Yeah, and that's the thing.
0: Some, you know, who knows in Mills and Boone, maybe in 200 years, people will be like, oh, and studying. This yeah, is yeah, very yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. <laughs> see the themes and yeah. the tropes. You know, like yeah. it'll be, you know, we don't, bit, I'm we sure, don't so know.
1: Like some of the like books, you don't know which books are going to be no. considered. the yeah, So, but that tension was very real. So, you know, in terms of budget, what the the libraries were for, I mentioned before I'd done some stuff on that Port Arthur and the libraries Mm -hmm. there. That was a tension there. Yes, of course. What, you know, the argument with, Captain McConaughey, who, who wanted the library... For, this is for the point, po- the boys' prison. What books should they be allowed to have? And they didn't want to buy any fiction. And then they said, um, uh, what's his name, Scott, uh, Waverley Novels? Oh, yeah. They'd be OK. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, and McConaughey <laughs> argues really fiercely for other things that might teach them about the world, all those things that you just yeah. spoke about, you know, travel, all yeah. of that. But there was, you know, we're talking, you know, there, was const- there has been constant arguments. We know that 18th century fiction was really considered only for women mm, yeah. um, and it was light reading and it was supposed to damage your brain. Yeah, and now if you saw a teenager reading that you'd be like, oh my gosh, yeah. you're a
0: genius.
1: Yes, <laughs> so, it, so it hasn't it hasn't gone away really, you know. I think it may be gendered a bit,
0: mm. so maybe. Oh yeah,
1: you know, women's yeah. women's books. Yeah, but crime fiction is a bit like that. Two people apologise oh, for reading crime fiction. True. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was reading some uh, some social media the other day, and, and they're saying, "Oh, I hate to say this, but I've just read such and such mm-hmm. crime novel. and It was terrific. It's just what my dead brain needs." So, <laughs> and have you got any more suggestions? I thought, well, why? You know, you
2: don't apologise if you enjoy it. Yeah, that. yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: One yeah. of my favourite books
0: ever, which I haven't read for a number of years, but. I've read so many times, is um Circle of Friends. And for years I was, oh, I wouldn't tell anyone that I love this yeah, book and I think it's Maeve, a really good book, a bit of Maeve. And then someone on the book club, the ABC's book club, went, brought that as their favourite book. And then I think Marie Cardi said she liked it as well or something. And then all of a sudden
1: I was like, oh, it's okay, you know? Yeah. Like I, I needed that legitimation So, so that why I, have we got shame about what we yeah, read? Yeah, it's very odd. Yeah. So mm. it hasn't gone away. Yeah. yeah. It's not an argument that's changed. So I don't think... And then if you wanted to know why they opened up public libraries for kids, was often, as I said before, along those moral, you know, enculturing them, Mm. making sure Mm. that they understood where they came from as in terms of their cultural heritage right. um so you know you'd have your your adventure you know not choose your I want to say choose yeah, your own choose. adventure not choose. Uh, well, you know no those, they were they trash so you weren't allowed to read them yeah. adventure or, or whatever so you know that that two-edged sword of providing reading but making sure it's the right reading yeah. yeah that's what that gets to the heart of really I'll continue with this article.
0: And granting that a good deal of the mental pabulum consumed inside the Richmond Public Library is innutritious, the occupation of reading it is surely preferable to that of half a dozen young hobbledy-hoys. We don't say hobbledy-hoys yeah, enough so good.
2: It's a good. Word, You'd though. have some hobbledy-hoys at your school. <laughs> oh, plenty of hobbledehoes around. <laughs> Whom? <laughs>
0: Of half a dozen young hobbledehoys whom I pass an hour afterwards on the bridge road, seated on a window sill, smoking short pipes imposing a continuous strain upon their salivary glands and oh. indulging in coarse and feeble sarcastic commentaries on the wayfarers who come along that way. They'd be vaping now. They'd be vaping. Yeah. And, look, give them a graphic
1: novel if it's yeah. going to get them off the vapes. Yeah, exactly. So is he saying, because when I read that, I wasn't sure if it was the mm. same youth. No, they're different youths. are different. Say, oh, so. These are right. short pipe hobbledehoy. hoys. Uh, the yeah. hobbled hoys are the, the louts are outside, yeah. not the nice themselves... Yeah. Uh, so that's the Inside. other thing that a lot of public libraries were built in, particularly in the United States and the UK, to... So I remember going to a talk, it was really good fun, where when they were building the railways along uh, in a, in the United States, this person was researching the fact that um, often there were taverns or pubs mm. or mm. Uh, saloons, that's what they are <laughs> in the United States, couldn't <laughs> remember the word. Um, so uh, the incentive was to build a public library right next to the saloon so that they didn't go in there. They went into the they library. blew and, it in by uh, now. So it's the same... Maybe they put double doors at same the Same agenda. Well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, so good you could just flick yourself in. <laughs> so I was really interested in that, that idea of trying to deflect people away from... Mm. Um, things. And I, I remember reading recently here, not that recently but maybe two years ago, one of the library public libraries in Melbourne running late night programs like videos or talks or whatever to redirect people away from gambling. But when you were reading that, the other thing is the idea of nutrition comes up a lot. <laughs> and that comes up in if you read Redmond Barry, he talks yeah. about the you know, feeding people's yes. minds, nutrition. So it's all about this idea mm. of feeding, and but you're not supposed to eat the books, are you? No.
0: Um, okay, I'll, I'll continue on with the description of the library. In the reading room, all is silence and decorum. The former, indeed, is so intense that the ticking of the dial on the mantelpiece is almost painful in its distinct and loud monotony. So that sounds nice.
2: Mm.
0: So it's a kind of the stereotypical image of a the silent library. But they're not generally super quiet anymore, are they? Um, but were they always quiet in the old days?
1: I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah, were believe they? it or not. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I imagine not, because if you're talking about, say, the Mechanics Institutes, they had lectures there. They yeah. had talks there. They had activities. Mm. The news. If you look at the fo- pictures of the the reading rooms for the newspapers that um, that the from the State Library, I don't know whether they're just very active-looking pictures, but I don't think they would have been... Comp- they don't look completely silent. No. But I don't know how much you can judge from a, a sketch in a newspaper. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't... If they were concentrating on little kids... I don't reckon you can you keep, can't them. keep them. No. <laughs> so I don't know no. about that. But I reckon there would have been quiet spaces just like there are now. Yeah, outside. that room sounds a bit
0: intense. I'll keep reading. One table is set apart for the ladies, mm. and there are half a dozen young girls there who are amusing themselves by inspecting the woodcuts of some bound volumes on the Illustrated London News. I run my eye along the shelves and buy a catalogue of a rather austere looking old lady who occupies a sort of high pew just inside the door. So that's like me, that's what I do now. Yeah, I just want sit, sit yeah. up on my pedestal and look yeah. down. So you're
1: here, that's the librarian? That's, I think that's her. That's her. So I like um, the idea of those uh, ladies' reading rooms. I read a, a really good book, recently. I'm always reading something, <laughs> about the early public libraries in Victoria. It was written actually by um, some academics in Dublin, but one of the writers talks about the positioning of women's women in the library. So a lot of them yeah. had re- ladies reading, the Mechanics Institutes mm-hmm. did, um, and then all they had separate areas for the women mm-hmm. to read. And what this author, whose name I cannot remember, um, was saying that they also curated the collections around those spaces so that they were suitable for women. And I wonder if we went into a girl's school or a boy's school.
0: Oh, my How goodness. Would it would be so great to get a comparison. Comparison. We like to think that we're better or different, and yeah. I don't know how much, like... And so this article for this visitor, very, very positive about the Town Hall Library, really, apart from the ticking clock and the, the nutritious <laughs> reading. <laughs>
1: but, but overall, it's he's happy with it. I'm assuming it's man. But all of that's... I mean, there's so many areas that could be that we don't know about. Yeah. I think... And that's why I get go down that rabbit hole of history, even yeah. though, I, you know, I was a practising librarian for many years and a teacher librarian. But you can see how knowing what happened before sort of kicks you up the... the yeah, uh, absolutely. ..we do need to keep an eye on our own privilege. I think
0: that's right, and because so often um, there's a tendency to want to present things as new. Mm. And because that... A, because it sometimes that helps you get funding, I think, and B because yeah, yeah. it's Whatever, exciting. People wanna you know it's often there are kind of either echoes or uh, things that happened in the past that were, were similar, maybe with different words though. Yeah. They just described Di- it differently. Different words.
1: And public libraries in themselves, the whole concept of a public library is revolutionary. So that's why, in my view, they have to be guarded so well you know, hard. Because we're losing other institutions that provide free service to mm. us. The idea of giving people books for nothing <laughs> yeah. and letting them have it and take <laughs> it home and then bring them back or whatever it happens yeah. to it doesn't have to be books or... I mean, when you yeah, think about it, like you can go into the library and just take armfuls of hundreds of dollars' worth of things Yeah, home. and you take them home and so if you, you think about that, how revolutionary that is in terms of... It as a concept, I, I think it fits very well into whatever particular time period you're looking at, and so it serves us well to remember what we're dealing with is an institution that, in its, you know, ideal, is super radical, yeah. and remains so.
0: Absolutely. Do you think there's is there any trends in libraries at the moment that you think are genuinely, genuinely sort of new? Probably
1: in execution, yes. Yeah. But they're driven by a whole notion of what why you exist mm. so it's just how they execute right. the idea well, i think one of the uh, little articles you sent was about lending pcs out yeah there was um, um it was a takeaway computer yeah takeaway yeah. computer well you know that was really revolutionary at the time Absolutely. Um, but it was about making sure that people had access providing free internet is about making sure people have access to yep. knowledge and to information and aren't disadvantaged. So it's working out whether the concept, the the mission or the professional ideas have changed, which I don't think they have. That's what mm. we have to hold on to. Yeah. And then how we actually enact them is what is changing. But I think even in the execution, it's just maybe the technology that's mm. changed rather than the, the actual... Yeah, th- one thing that I really changed, the way I thought about libraries is... the is the idea that
0: a book is a piece of technology. Yeah. It's just that we're so yeah. used to them that we don't
1: think about it like yeah. that anymore. But actually, yeah. books yeah. in that form were invented. And uh, a revolutionary. Yeah. I, I'm sure Suso showed you that German monk <laughs> with the very first time. He saw a codex instead of a scroll. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so he didn't know how to open it. Oh, no. <laughs> just no. Like, how do you? like, yeah, so yeah. how do you get to yeah. the next bit? Yeah. I could Thank talk you. all day about library. Lovely libraries. to meet you. Uh, it, it was so good. to so see hard. this room. I did the research. You, you can't did. say I didn't. No, I told you, you did she it. was good.
0: <laughs> Next time on In Those Days, we talk to Damien Cullen and star of stage and screen about what used to be on the site of the Richmond Public Library. I reckon you would have been really good in the Vaudeville era. Do you feel that? Can you sing? No. Can you I could dance. I've kind but of. But could you do what you I can call character sing? I reckon I can you could co- character yeah. sing. I, yeah, um, <laughs> I call it Dickhead Bravado. Yeah. And character sing is about right. Yeah. And we also talk to an old friend of the pod, Tim Carruthers, and he helps us bring some of the old music from Trove to life again. We're going back!
1: We're going back! We're going back! That was that was excellent. It was really
0: good, wasn't it?
2: That was that was that was good. See, we sound just like a couple of Broken Hill miners in a pub in 1930 something. Absolutely.